just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope all is going well with you. It is a Monday. We're starting yet another week and all kinds of crazy stuff happening. And I'm fortunate that I have Ed joining me today. It's always, hello, hello. It's always great to have a helping hand. Not only can he provide some insight that I can't, he takes up half the show and I get to be fucking lazy today. <laughs> and we know that is uh, your go-to. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is my go-to. If I can take it easy. I'm on it. And well, before we... me too. I mean, we made a living by talking. Well, that's yeah. it. You know, well, why that's we... our sole, sole talent is being able to read aloud or talk extemporaneously. That's well, it. That's well, all the... we got. We, we And we did that solely because we didn't want to work a real job. No sweat for us. It, re- it reminds me of a... Uh, uh, we used to have these... I guess they still do these jazz festivals. And it was at a place called the Dakota in yeah. in in uh, St. Paul. And we had this thing and people like Ed and I would go up and introduce acts and stuff like that. And one day at the Dakota, I had brought my son with me. He was about five years old, my oldest son. And so yeah. I'm on stage and he's standing off stage watching dad do whatever he does. And uh, uh, he and I used to talk a lot. We don't talk as much anymore, but we talked a lot then. And he was a pretty smart kid. And so, I'm on stage and I decide, well, I'm going to introduce my son. I said, right over there is my son, Tony, and uh, say hi to him. And uh, and then, of course, somebody chimes in from the crowd. Is Tony going to be on the radio like his dad? And I knew exactly how this was going to go. So I said, (laughs) Tony, come over here. Tony, come over here. So he walks on stage kind of shy and kind of worried and stuff. But he was a very articulate kid, a very smart kid, very funny kid. I said, this lady right here wants to know if when you grow up, you're going to be on the radio like dad. (laughs) So he literally grabs the mic from me and puts it right in his face. And he says, "Uh, no, I'm going to get a real job. And, of course, everybody laughed. And for the whole whole of the day, he was the little superstar. and, And he loved the attention. I, I knew this kid loved the attention because we were at a state fair one time and we were standing in the booth, handing out stuff, talking to people and people would recognize me and whoever else I was with. Oh, you're Mike. You're the, the traffic guy. And my son was behind the counter too, kind of helping out, passing out stuff, being really quiet. And he was seeing all the adulation or the recognition anyway, I was getting from it. So, and we all had tags on Mike Marn traffic or, you know, whatever. So, um, I'm doing that. And as my kid is, is helping handing things out, I realized he'd created his own sticker that said Mike's kid. <laughs> so he could kind of, kind of infringe on, on, on the notoriety. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, I don't even know how I got off on that fucking tangent, but I, I wanted to talk about something. We've been hearing this story about this alleged phone call from the White House to an insurrectionist okay yep that came out on 60 minutes last night it came out on 60 minutes now 
this call apparently was only nine seconds, so no conversation was had there. Uh, and somebody might say, well, that was just a wrong number. Well, the likelihood of somebody in the White House butt dialing somebody who was involved <laughs> in the insurrection while the insurrection is going on, that's a little sketchy. I don't know. I, it sounds to me that, uh, that there is something to be investigated there. But here's my problem with this whole scenario and, and see what you think. All right. 60 Minutes brought this brought this guy on. They teased that information before the show went. They did the show with this guy named Denver Riggleman. Now, he's an IT expert or something like that. But he was also a former congressman. He was a Republican from Virginia. He uh, voted for and with Donald Trump a number of times. He supported Donald Trump. My first question of this whole thing is, why does the January 6th Select Committee hire this guy. They obviously know him because he was in Congress. Why do they hire a Trumplican to do this IT work for them? That makes no I sense. Can, I can tell you, okay? Okay. Uh, Liz Cheney suggested him because she knew he had the expertise. See, he was a former, uh, he uh, he did this for the government. I mean, uh, not CIA, but but something like that. I forget right. exactly which organization he was with. So, number one, he had the expertise. Right. And number two, he was thrown out of his district because he officiated at the wedding, uh, a same-sex wedding of two of his aides. Okay. So, okay. His, his people turned on him. So, it, it, he was like Cheney in the sense that he was ousted by the Republican Party for being a decent guy, okay. essentially. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. But here's the other question. Okay, he's on 60 Minutes, and he's giving out this information. Uh, the January 6th committee is saying, yeah, well, he wasn't there that long. He really didn't see a lot of the evidence, which is probably true. And maybe I'm not saying he didn't see the phone call information and all that stuff. But in spite of the fact that the January 6th committee is not really feeling him going out and spewing this stuff, he's doing it. And I, I can't give you a specific time, but I understood that he's kind of done this before where he's leaked out information ahead of time uh, when he shouldn't. So so that makes me question him a little bit. Oh, I can tell you why he's doing it. He's got a book. He's got there a book you, coming out. That was the third thing I said. That yeah. was the third thing I was thinking. He's doing this Sunday. The next hearing is Wednesday. He could have done it Thursday, but oh, the yeah. book is coming out Tuesday. Right. So, so when you got a guy coming out with this information and it's a little questionable and there's no actual evidence, he's just saying that, that makes me question his veracity a little bit. He's trying to sell a fucking book. Not saying the phone call didn't happen, not saying it shouldn't be investigated. I'm just questioning this guy's reason for doing what he did. Um, I, I do think that the main thing is the book, quite frankly. Absolutely. Um, I mean, now he did. Uh, he was a Trump supporter. Uh, he voted with Trump most of the time and, and so forth. And uh, he was in business in Virginia and he didn't like some regulations and so forth. And that was why he ran originally. So he's a he's a Cheney Republican. Let's put it that way. I mean, remember, uh, Liz Cheney voted with Trump most of the time, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, the, the insurrection was the straw that broke the camel's back. In both cases. I mean, this guy was already out of government uh, because of uh, the reason I told you about the same sex wedding. But 
he was uh, he was turned off by it too, and very much was against uh, Donald Trump after that point. So uh, we have to keep that that in mind that Cheney is not someone that we would want in government, um, except for the fact that she is leading this charge from the right against Trump. And and I do think it's having an effect. And you know the old saying is. And it's true. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Right. And I would add to that temporarily because right. in, uh, in World War II, we and the Russians joined together against Hitler. But as soon as not even the moment the war was over, we were in conflict and almost had a nuclear war over Berlin, um, which people either didn't know at the time or forgot all about because uh, we came that close is all I'm going to say about that. We can talk about that another time, but uh, we were friends for a brief point and then we became bitter enemies. Right. And that, that happens all the time. Strange politics makes strange bedfellows as they say. Well, and I've said that about Liz Cheney too. I would never vote for her. I probably couldn't even be her friend. But I would accept her help in a street fight because she is yeah. a fighter. There's no question about it. And, and like you say, uh, team up against a common enemy. The last thing I wanted to bring up regards the media in this whole situation. Now, as we grew up, 60 Minutes was kind of the bastion of journalism and integrity, right? Yep. Okay. So 60 Minutes is now probably not as popular as it was back in the 60s and 70s and even the 80s when we were young. Knowing what they knew about this guy, knowing everything about this guy, knowing that he was going to sell a book, knowing that the January 6th committee kind of downplayed what he was having to say, they still had him on the air. And I have to believe that back in the 60s and 70s, they wouldn't have had a guy like this on the air at, at the time frame he was on. They might have waited a week till after the hearing to see what 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 occurs and it it strikes me as maybe the 60 minutes tv show kind of slipping to the dark side and dealing with clickbait as opposed to real news yeah i think that happened a long time ago once the originals kind of the maury shapers and so forth and and dan rathers and so forth uh um rune arledge and all that stuff yeah the the, yeah the producers um, because I think originally uh, 60 Minutes was kind of a compromise between the news division and the commercial division. And uh, the uh, the commercial part of the network was saying, look, we can make money off news. And uh, the real journalists are saying, you're not supposed to. You're right. supposed to tell the truth, you know, so. So I think they they kind of said, okay, we're going to give you this section of the week, you know, Sunday evening, where you know was they figured it was a giveaway anyway because everybody's watching Disney, <laughs> but uh, they said we're going to give you this section here, and you just do really straight, hard hitting journalism, you know, send Mike out to put the kibosh on people and and all of that, you know, uh, we'll let you do what you want to do. You can get as many corporate entities as you want. We won't screw with you. Okay. But then over time that has started to, uh, um, uh, they decided it had to make money too. So yeah, you know, they're not going to do anything that alienates the money people. It's just, I mean, that's the fact of network news. Of corporate, the corporate media is not going to shake it up 
and you know, I'll have I'll have more to say on that coming up um, about things that uh, we never hear about that are the absolute cause of a lot of the trouble we have. Yeah, and it just proof that that while news at the time wasn't thought of as a money maker, it's all about money making for everybody on the left, on the right, in the middle. They're all using news to make money, and in order to do that, they kind of have a compromise the integrity. Yeah, and and that's why you can trust us, because we don't make a dime. (laughs) We didn't plan it that way, but that's the way it's worked out. Well, you you know, let's move on to other things that are going on, and and we haven't talked much about international news, not that much. And I know you got to be in your body about some things going on that kind of mirror what's happening in this country. Yeah. uh, One thing I want to deal with right off the beginning and and then forget about it. But uh, let's talk about Iran for just a second. We've got maybe a revolution going on here. And it all started with a woman being killed by the religious police because she wasn't wearing the headscarf right. Right. So. There's been a, a people are in the streets about this, and and uh, it's it's turning into something really, really uh, maybe significant. We'll see if they're able to put it down or not. But we've seen this happen with Iran before, when the when the people have risen up and gotten rid of the Shah, which brought in the uh, the Muslim, uh, the hardline Muslims, put them in power. They could remove them just as easily, and it seems like. They're tired of what has been going on, and maybe that's the case. What is really getting to be is all these Republicans uh, on Twitter and different places, you know, uh, singing the praises of what's going on in Iran. But here at home, they're doing exactly the same thing. They're not dragging women in and killing them because of their headscarves, but they're setting them up to die from abortions or, or for lack of abortion from entropic pregnancies and other complications. And uh, they're, they're doing everything they can to put women back in the, on the back burner. Not and to mention, cheer- go ahead. Not, well, go not ahead. to mention that they're, they're making it felonies to make choices with their body. I mean, it's exactly. pretty draconian where some of these people want to charge women with murder or for put a them in jail for a long time. Yeah, it's absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous. So as much as it seems draconian in Iran, it's not that far off here. No, it's not at all. And don't be distracted, folks. Don't don't hear some Republican saying we stand with Iran. Well, you do. But not with the women. <laughs> you know? No, no. You are solidly on the side of the mullahs, and there's no difference between an American evangelical, the extreme ones, and uh, a mullah in Iran. Uh, it, the American Taliban, uh, the uh, the Iranian mullahs, uh, they're all the same. A fundamentalist is a fundamentalist is a fundamentalist. Since we, you can quote me. Since we're talking about international news, and uh, we will no doubt get to Russia at some point here with all that's going on there, uh, I, I, I always am reluctant, and I never say the term breaking news. Everybody right. on TikTok does it. Every fucking news organization does it, and it's never breaking news. But I have something that just came across my phone here as we're speaking that I find kind of interesting, and it's going to confuse some Republicans because they love Vladimir Putin, but they might not love him after this. Apparently, on Monday, uh, today, 
Vladimir Putin granted Russian citizenship to Edward Snowden. My, my. That's interesting. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's the one that exposed all the NSA stuff and how they were tracking all of us. And then they Mm -hmm. had to leave the country because the government wanted him arrested, which I thought found interesting because they are trying to track him down and jail him because he exposed illegal shit that the government was doing against us. But they wanted to put him in jail. Now, he's been bouncing around. He's kind of like the WikiLeaks guy. Uh, and he hasn't really known what he was going to do. But now the Russian, Vladimir Putin, specifically said, sure, you can be a citizen of Russia. That's just Vladimir Putin trying to rub our face in it. That's all he's doing. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give a shit about Snowden. All he cares about is is making America look badly. And, and then the fact that he's kind of desperate at this point um, doesn't leave him many options of what to do. Uh, clearly he's losing his shit in this Ukrainian war thing. Yeah. I mean, he worries me. I, I, mu- I must admit, I mean, it's not a front of my head worry, but it's a back of my head worry. And that is the guy's obviously sick. I mean, we see elements, we see, uh, where he's holding onto a table, grimacing and trying to sit up and, and this sort of thing. And, uh, he has uh, too much power, uh, too many nuclear weapons, and if he thinking, if he's thinking, I'm going to check out pretty quick anyway. I might as well take the world with me. That is a possibility. Our, our only hope, really, along those lines, is that, like with Trump, within the uh, Russian hierarchy somewhere, there are people that are saying, "No, that's not a good idea. Let's don't destroy the world just because of this mother." You know, yeah. Um, right now he has left. Uh, he's left the Kremlin, and he's at some castle out in the wilderness somewhere. Hi, uh, which might, yeah, which leads me to believe he's afraid they're going to toss him here. He may, he may be standing before an open window before you know it. Uh, that's all we can hope for, anyway. Uh, but uh, it, it's it's unnerving that uh, he still has the codes, as you will. And uh, but I, I I have to believe that. There are people there that are not insane and realize that it's death for everybody if the nukes start to fly. I mean, that's what that's what kept that is what kept us from nuclear war all these years is mutually assured destruction. And that's not an exaggeration. That's what will happen. You know, the cockroaches will uh, in, inherit the world. I mean, the dinosaurs were going great there for millions and millions of years until the asteroid came along. Well, this is the equivalent of the asteroid for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, clearly Vladimir Putin is mentally ill, but uh, um, he is... Not that dissimilar from Donald Trump. In fact, Donald Not Trump at all. and Vladimir Not Putin at all. are identical with the exception that uh, um, that uh, Vladimir's a little smarter than Donald Trump. But they're narcissists. They're used to getting their way no matter what. They're not used to being told they are wrong. And they are both in a situation where they're cornered and they are wrong and they just refuse to admit it. So they just keep flailing away, keep doubling down, and ultimately they'll both crash and 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 end up pariahs, or in the case with Vladimir Putin, probably dead. Uh, but they're in their last moments, and they are dangerous at this point. Exactly. I mean, 
I think Trump's star is fading. I just heard poll results this morning that uh, a year ago, 78% of Republicans wanted him to be the nominee. Uh, as of uh, the last few days, it's down to 47%. So that that's encouraging. But that is the, the Republicans out uh, in the hinterland. In Washington, those in charge, they still owe their allegiance to Trump. And that's, that's a real problem. Yeah. What do you think about this whole situation where he's uh, conscripting 300,000 people to come into Ukraine? And now some people are saying, well, it'll probably be more like a million. What he's trying to do is overrun Ukraine. But while he's doing this, this is causing some unrest in Russia. People are not liking this. They don't know why they're in Ukraine fighting, and they certainly don't want to see their 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 children and grandchildren going into a war where they're already seeing a bunch of body bags coming. So he's creating a problem for himself while he thinks he's going to win this war. And even if he won this war, I don't know that that saves him. Well, pull it back and take a look. I mean, they've already been here once with Afghanistan. I mean, Russians lost in Afghanistan. They had to turn tail and leave. And then have been like idiots. We rushed in to fill the void, right? Yeah. The um, they they lost. They they got whipped. They could not beat this ragtag bunch of Taliban or whatever they were at the time, Mujahideen, and um, the uh, you know still the same guys essentially that that uh, wound up forestalling us for ten years. But anyway, uh, they've seen that happen before. Yeah. Now take it take it back to the 1960s when I was in high school and then college. And uh, we had this little thing called Vietnam that started to build and build. It kept right on building and it destroyed the Johnson administration. And then it destroyed the Nixon administration. And it, it wasn't until finally uh, um, we did the Afghanistan. Same thing, you know, where the helicopters, people hanging on, trying to get out and all of that. We turned tail and ran after losing 60,000, you know, men. And so forth. But it was this idea of escalation, I think, that turned the tide against the war. And I, I'm seeing the same thing there in Russia. You're seeing people um, um, getting out of the country and, right. and you're seeing them blocking them from getting out of the country so they won't be called up. And in many cases, some of the students, some of the same soldiers who've been there. They're trying to send back again, and they're saying, now nah, I've seen what's going on over there. I just soon not. I mean, they're, they're killing us, literally. Right. And, and, um, and that's because of, of Biden giving them the money and, and others, of course, giving them the money and the material to, to fight the Russians to a standstill and beyond. So now if they come back with 300,000 troops or a million, whatever it is, it will make a difference and they might even be able to subdue the country. We don't know. I've got a feeling that even as we speak, we're pouring more and more and more uh, defensive and offensive weapons into Ukraine, and uh, they have something to fight for. The Russians don't. Yeah, you know, and 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 with Vladimir Putin making these veiled threats about nuclear war and America should be worried and such. I, I'm really not worried about that. I mean, I think the impression people get is that we've got this crazy guy sitting at a desk and all he has to do is hit a button and it will bomb America. 
That's that's really not how it works. And as much as he might be crazy, there are people around him that realize the mutual destruction thing. That's kind of a non-starter because, yeah, we might be able to blow up parts of America, but then fucking Russia is wiped out. That that makes no logical sense to even wade into that, to even be ranting about that. What he's trying to do is scare the general public. He's not scaring the government because they know better. Well, there's absolutely that. I mean, let's say he takes out the continental United States. We've still got nuclear submarines in the ocean. And I don't care how many times they deny it and we deny it. We have floating space platforms with nuclear capabilities. We do. There's just no way around it. You know, and all of those uh, mysterious launches into space for weather satellites and this that and the other nah <laughs> nah there's a there's a missile aimed at you right now um, well, mr putin absolutely and and you wonder is it as you said now he's in this castle that's kind of known as a bunker sort of thing for him um, <laughs> that sounds familiar doesn't it yeah it sounds very familiar and and the thing is, some people might th- take that as a as a hint that nuclear war is going to start. I, I don't think that's the case. I think he's worried about his own fucking people, and he's trying to separate himself. I think you're you're exactly right. But the, but the metaphor with Hitler or the um, looking at it, it's very similar uh, in that near the end, Hitler knew well because he tried to kill him three times that uh, 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 people were out to get him. Now Putin probably feels the same way. So you have to retreat into a bunker where you're, uh, where you can control it. The other thing is now I, I've, I've heard rumors of this. I haven't seen it verified, but that Putin himself has taken over directing the troops and what's happening from the generals, which is something that Hitler also did and totally, of course, uh, uh, screwed up by messing up and letting the D-Day landing take place and so forth and other things along the way. So the parallels are just amazing here, and we have to hope and pray that the outcome is the same. Yeah, you know, this is typical of a narcissist. Uh, He's going into war thinking nobody can beat him, thinking he's always right. And then when it doesn't start working, when it, when it doesn't work the way he plans it, then he blames the people that are trying to do this for him. And he decides, well, I'll just fucking do it myself. The unfortunate thing is, as smart as Vladimir Putin is, he doesn't really know anything about waging war or the strategies involved. So he will most certainly make fucking mistakes and it will cost him dearly. Yeah, he was nothing but a but a um, what's the word I want an, an operative within the government a uh, KGB a, a spy, yeah. yeah KGB type who uh, who engineered the the rise of Yeltsin and kept him in power and then inherited the reins from him. So he's an inside, uh, we would say here in the U.S. an inside the Beltway guy. You know, I mean, he's uh, Stephen Miller to Trump. So there's probably a really great analogy right there. And and makes us consider the fact that while we're taking down Donald Trump, we may want to take down Stephen Miller, too. Oh, absolutely. And, And he's certainly vulnerable. I mean, he's, I'm sure, involved with everything that Trump did was aware and, and, and probably suggested quite a bit of it. We know he was behind the separating the children at the border 
a fiasco uh, directly. That was all him. And um, pretty much he's been one of the few that have been re- remaining with Trump, that traveled right. with Trump to, to Mar-a-Lago and has continued to direct a lot of his efforts. So, yeah, if Trump goes down, so many of these people go with him. It's like it, it's like the Nazis when Hitler went. Everybody else did, too. Well, and I think we have to take down those people because we know that Donald Trump isn't bright enough to have an original thought. We know that he's easily manipulated by anybody that uh, compliments him or pats him on the back. It's really easy to manipulate a guy like Donald Trump um, because all you have to do is be his buddy, and then he'll take whatever you say, no matter how fucking crazy it is, as absolute truth, and he'll fight to push that forward. So the people around him, probably not as stupid as Donald Trump. They're seeing an opportunity to get some things done. They'd want to do if they were ever elected president, which they never will be. So they're just manipulating this fucking puppet and, and, and causing him to do things. I, I, I've told the story before. My father was a narcissist. He was a hard guy. He was an asshole to deal with. But once I figured out how to manipulate him, it's fucking simple. It was easy. I could get him to do anything. Well, there you go. And and uh, that gives you an insight into Trump that a lot of people just don't have. Because we we tend to think better of people than, than they actually are until they reveal themselves. I mean, I, that's what got Trump elected, that, that people were willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. God knows why, since he'd never accomplished anything worthwhile no. in his entire life and had done nothing but negative things. Um, but still we gave him, they gave him the benefit of doubt. Certainly I did and nor did you, but, uh, uh, the American electorate in general often sees, well, let's try something different. They say without really realizing what it is. And that's how we wound up with Trump. Um, we can't really change what's going on in, or have much of an effect on what's going on in Russia, but we're seeing things happening elsewhere that concern me too and that's one thing i wanted to talk about today uh are we getting near the break or or you we got some time we we got we got a little time go ahead all right and that's europe and what's going on there now um both sweden and italy recently have moved to the right which is not to say that they have gone totally fascist but they're getting there uh, the woman who was elected in Italy, Maloney, uh, pretty much as fast as, as you can get. I mean, uh, she's, she's definitely right there, but she's, her coalition will be part of the government, but it won't be the government. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that this is, this is somewhat assuring that there will still be some leavening there. But in general, the far right has taken, uh, has, grown in Italy, which is really, really disturbing because these this is a country that was completely devastated and destroyed in World War II because of its fascist leader, Benito Mussolini. I mean, Italy, there was barely a building standing when that was uh, when that war was over in, in parts of the country. Um, um, it, the Battle of Italy was one of the worst of the war. Um, from uh, with American and allied troops coming from Africa into Sicily and then on to the Italian mainland and working their way up toward Germany. Hard fought and a lot of destruction. 
um, along the way. And you would think there would still be people alive that remembered that that was the cause of a fascist government. But apparently they've forgotten. Uh, Sweden, same thing happening there. There's all, there's, uh, all of these European countries have to have coalition governments because they have a lot more parties than we do. So different groups have to join together. So what we have in Sweden is a joining of the far right and the center right parties and, uh, and, and them claiming power at least temporarily. We'll see. We'll see what they can do. And the, 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 there are lots of different reasons for why this is going on. And it's mainly because of what has had, it's been going on for a while, but it was exacerbated by the pandemic because they have the same problems. They had a shutdown. They had halts in manufacturing. They have problems with, with distribution and everything, just like we do. And the, their stock market is tumbling and uh, COVID is still a factor. And uh, they, they additionally have problems because they get a lot of their energy from Russia by pipeline, both gas and oil and so forth. So, right. so they're affected. But the big one seems to be migration. And this has been going on for a while with uh, um, everywhere it, it, uh, in England. And you'd have to say that England also has gone not fascist, but they've certainly moved right with the current prime minister. I mean, Boris Johnson was bad enough. The new one is uh, just Maggie Thatcher, only seeming like a ditzy (laughs) Margaret Thatcher. Uh, But still, it's not encouraging. The whole Brexit thing, all of that was a reaction to migration. And for people from basically from Africa and, 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 and some other parts moving into, and even Eastern Europe, moving into Britain, moving into France, moving into these older countries and uh, changing the way they look. Does that sound familiar at all to you? Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. It, it does. And the thing is, is that one of the main reasons we're seeing this country go to the right and why Hillary Clinton lost to Donald Trump uh, and we're seeing in Sweden and Italy and, and, and England and all this stuff is what it comes down to people in the respective countries are fucking tired of establishment government. They don't like the way it's been going. So these right wingers come out and say, we don't like government either. We're going to straighten this shit out. We're going to shut these people down. They're taking your money. They're not doing anything for you. And to a certain extent, these, 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 uh, right wingers are right, but they're just using that to benefit themselves at the voting booths. And then when they get in, they don't really do anything. They're just the same, if not worse, as far as grifting money. They've taken advantage of people who aren't pleased with their government. So that would tell you maybe the establishment government should take a look at what they're fucking doing and straighten their shit out so they're more palatable to people. Well, it's, it's a, it's a, here in the U.S., the, the Republicans, you just love the word woke. Yeah. To them, it's an all encompassing bad word. Um, it's, it's, uh, the Democrats are woke. The left is woke. And the people, the, the people on the right have no idea what that means. I mean, the hoi polloi. Um, but, but they don't like it. They, what they think it means is, well, you don't like my religion or you don't like this. And and to a certain extent, they're right. 
Um, but all woke really to me means is that uh, it, 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 if you want to <clears throat> zero in on it, it's the Sermon on the Mount if you're religious. If, if you want to look at what Jesus said right there, he was woke. Right. That's that's exactly what woke is right there. Right. You take care of this person. You take care of that person. And it boils down to love that neighbor and look for the best things for everybody, because that's not what's going on worldwide. And it's certainly not what's going on here. Uh, right here. I watch TV and I see these ads for these products that, uh, well, number one, I don't want them, but somebody might. But they cost more than my car, right. <laughs> you know, for a for a shampoo or right. uh, or something like that. And these are aimed at a very small group of people. But other people have to be looking. Why can't I have that too? You right. know, uh, or or all these rich people are, are spending their money on um, non fungible tokens, which nobody really even knows what that is. But people right. are paying millions of dollars for these computer generated creations that are, I suppose some sort of artwork or something like that. But there, there's something that they claim can't be faked, which we all know is bull because if it can be made, it can be faked. And, right. uh, and, uh, and it's like uh, cryptocurrencies and stuff like that. The mainstream of people have no more idea what's going on that with anything, but people are spending millions and millions of dollars on this stuff. So there's this huge separation uh, maybe more so than it's been in my lifetime between some super wealthy people and some people who don't have crap and some people in the middle who have a little bit and they want to hang on to it. And they're afraid the people below are going to come and take theirs rather than them taking back from the rich people what they don't deserve. Well, yeah. OK, well, call me a commie if you want to. But that's exactly what's going on. Well, when you talk about NFTs or even crypto, um to me, that's a grift by rich people. Somebody like Elon Musk goes, goes into Dogecoin and say, oh, I'm excited about this. I'm going to put a million dollars into it, just for example's sake. And as soon as everybody hears Elon Musk put a million dollars in it, they said, well, I want to be on his team because I know he's going to make a lot of money. So a lot of people put a lot of money into it. All of a sudden, um, Elon Musk million dollar fucking investment turns out to be worth $5 million. He pulls that shit out and he basically stole the money of middle class and fucking poor people. It's a game. It's a fucking grift. The, the one other thing we're going to take a break here in a minute, but I, I just want to say about the Republicans, I've always said they aren't very bright, that they're stupid. And I think it has a lot to do, uh, a good example of that is they don't understand definitions of words. Like, for example, you right. stated woke. They don't know what fucking woke means. They absolutely hate Antifa, which basically means anti-fascist. So that would suggest they are pro-fascist, even though they say they're yep. not fascist. And, and the old time, the old time words that they don't know the definition of are socialism and communism and how socialism and communism is the same. Well, they're not the same. They don't understand socialism. They just get these buzzwords that are intended yep. to scare people and they fucking spew them. And then by the time the little people fucking hear them, they are scared of them and they don't know the definition either. Yeah, and they, they're still using those. They're still in call, still calling today's Democratic Party communist. <laughs> I don't think there's actually a communist government left. Certainly Russia, it isn't. Maybe 
Cuba. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, but even that <clears throat> is a stretch. The communist countries have essentially just become autocratic, um, either theocracies or uh, oligarchies of some sort. They're certainly not communist in the sense that it was envisioned. But you notice they only use words that dumb people recognize and think they know the definition to. Right. They, 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 it's all about fear and whipping people up to try to get them to react toward them and vote for them. Let's, let's take a quick break and, uh, we'll be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. We are back on The Rational Boomer. We've got Ed with us, and we've been talking about some international news, a little bit of a departure for what we normally talk about, but it all seems to affect what we have going on here, and we clearly affect what's going on over there, so it's worth talking about. It's, it's, it's this tendency toward the uh, radical right, and that that is a little troubling. I know, Ed, you had some other things you wanted to bring up about it. Uh, yeah, in the immigration or migration, if you want to call it that, this resistance to it uh, seems to be what's fueling this move to the right in both Europe and in the United States. And I can sort of understand that. The, the trouble with it here in the U.S., we really need that. If we didn't have illegal immigration, uh, we would not be able to function as a country. Our economy would collapse, especially the agricultural part of it and, and others were where physical labor, hard physical manual labor is required, whether it's in the meatpacking industry or in uh, picking grapes or whatever it may be, we depend on that. And we pretend, oh, we pretend that we don't want illegal aliens, but uh, they are actually brought in here to do that. And and uh, I don't care if it's Republican or Democrat or Libertarian, it's going to be that way because un until we have some serious reapportioning of the way we uh, we pay people and the way work is done and who gets what, unless we e even the playing field somewhat, that's going to have to continue if we're going to exist as a country. And most others are the same way. They, to a certain extent, depend on that while they pretend to abhor it. And in large part, we create the surges toward the border by our policies toward South and Central America. Well, if not by what we do, like when we had the United Fruit Company and we were going down and toppling governments left and right to get the Panama Canal or, or whatever it was we wanted, uh, we were, we, we told Europe, hands off. The Monroe Doctrine forbids you from colonizing in South America. But then we went right ahead and did it. And, and, uh, right on through Reagan, we were involved in, in murdering and, overturning governments we did it in chile we did it and and we it, we're uh what reaping the harvest if you will of what we have sown for many many years right. i am not con i am not convinced that there are not right-wing operatives 
in Central and in South America right now who are facilitating these people moving toward the border just so that they can claim there's a crisis, which there isn't. If you look at the actual number of interactions and the result, Biden is doing far better than Trump ever did yeah. with dealing with uh, with illegal immigration. But uh, the same is true in Europe, because it was European colonization that destabilized Africa, that destabilized the Middle East and so forth. You want to look at Iran? That's our problem. We did that. They had a democratically elected government that uh, that we didn't like. So we sent Kermit, uh, Kermit uh, Roosevelt, the grandson of Teddy, over to destabilize the government. And we installed the Shah, this brutal right. dictator. And then when he was overturned, uh, that's when the mullahs took over. So we created that problem ourselves, and now we have to deal with it. And uh, we're trying to keep them from getting a bomb. And at the same time, their own people are rising up and may take care of part of the problem for us. Right. But that's serendipity. And um, if we're smart, we're trying to help with that. But who knows if we, I imagine we are. I mean, that's we have this worldwide. We have the CIA and the other organizations whose names you don't even know who are out there. We have troops in Africa. Most people don't realize that we have permanent forts in countries in Africa. And and that never makes it to the evening news, does it? No, it doesn't. You know, the funny thing about immigration, too, that I don't understand is the current situation we have in this country is there are a shortage of workers over and above right. agriculture. There is a shortage of workers. And who is this impacting? This is impacting the wealthy people who have corporations, the small businesses as well, who don't have enough people to work for them, which is going to affect how much money they can make. And the bottom line is if you can't get enough people to work for you, you're out of fucking business. You would think they would be all over bringing more people in so they can fill the spots that they have and continue to do business the way they do it. Unfortunately, to them, the color of these people that are being brought in is more important than the survival of their business, which sounds fucking crazy to me. Well, there's that, but there's also uh, the simple economics of it, okay? For example, there was a meatpacking meat plant very near to me here that they busted a couple of years ago. And it was all uh, people from uh, South America, Mexico. I'm not sure exactly which countries uh, were involved, but there was, you know, several hundred of them working in this meatpacking plant. And uh, the uh, um, authorities came in, ICE and so forth, <clears throat> arrested these people and deported them, closed down the business, didn't do squat to the owners, right? right. Turns out that the owners are the ones who told the feds about to come because they were uh, they wanted to get rid of this group so they didn't have to pay them. Right, right. So, so they got rid of this group and then they they moved to a different. They moved to Alabama and opened up another one and brought in more. Right. You know, so it's not that they don't want the immigration, that they don't want the workers. It's they don't want to pay them. They don't want to pay them the rate that they would have to pay them once they got here and realized they could go over to McDonald's and make more than they're being paid at the meatpacking plant. So uh, it, 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 it's a shell game of constantly moving people in and out so you can maintain that margin of profit by paying them almost nothing or nothing at all if you can get away with it. 
So there's more to it than just racism, but there's certainly a portion of there's certainly a part of that. But there's just pure economic uh, exploitation is the big factor. So the end game for these people, these wealthy people, these radical right people is that they have indentured servants or 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 literally slaves. They, exactly. They, they they pay them less than anybody else because they're they're illegal immigrants, but that's not even good enough for them. They want to get away with paying them fucking nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh and and so it's it's encouraged. They want to keep the governments in the South America destabilized so people will have to come here and work for less than they could ever get Americans because back in the 70s they they decided the think tanks and everybody got together and said, you know, we can do this. All we have to do is flip the switch. We'll just shut down the steel industry up in uh, uh in uh the the what is now the Rust Belt and it's just move it. We'll start buying our steel from overseas, right. from Canada or from Germany or wherever it's produced, right? right. And uh and uh, we don't have to pay these people these union wages anymore or we'll go to Mexico or we'll go to Nicaragua or we'll go to wherever we have to go where we can or Vietnam or where China and and pay these people pennies on the dollar compared to having to pay them you know many many times that here in the U.S. and that's exactly what they did and you don't hear this from the Democrats you don't hear it from the Republicans you don't hear it from the news agencies because they're all tied in with it the same people that shut down the steel plants are the same people that own the media right so it's a battle the battle worldwide is against us and the oligarchs. That so, is the demarcation line right now. And that's what I've always said. This isn't a fight between the Democrats and the Republicans. This is a fight against us and them. And I will throw the Democrats in there to a certain extent. Right now, the Democrats are on our side because we've got to get rid of the dumpster fire that is the Republicans. But I'm fearful that if the Democrats get ultimate power over everything, we can't let our guard down. We still got to keep kicking some ass, even though these are people that we may have supported, because that's what's going to take to actually get them to work for us. They are only going to do it if they have to. And the only way they will have to, if the Republicans are out of the equation, is by public opinion and by us kicking their ass. Right. And they distract us by these social issues like abortion, which, which I am, I am, I think abortion should be legal available and rare and, yeah. and part of the problems part of the problem why it even exists is economic if you've got six kids and one more on the way and you can't even afford to pay for four well that enters into it perhaps yeah but uh, uh if you go back to clinton what did clinton do he he brought in welfare reform which hurt the poor and helped the rich this was a Democratic uh, administration. It was nothing but Republican light. Obama right. was a little better, a little better. And and he certainly, between him and Joe, because Joe had a part of it uh, in managing Congress, in uh, helping us recover from the Bush debacle, because it was a debacle. Oh, and, uh, yeah. uh, and remember the recession? Remember losing 40% of your retirement funds? I know I did. 
Yeah. Under Obama, I got them back and then some, which was great. It's, I'm not doing real well right now. <laughs> All right. And, uh, you know, some of the ones uh, that are invested in the stock market, but uh, uh, that's on me. I mean, I can I can choose to move stuff around and so forth. But but uh, I think in general, Joe is much closer to what we think of as a Democrat and his administration and the people he's put in power. He really is a union guy, and he really does believe in helping uh, the people that he can. And if if the rich people have to lose a bit, uh, that seems to be just fine. That was not the case with uh, certainly with Clinton. And uh, this is a change for the better, but we've got to maintain it. We've got to we've got to give Joe another term and then two more Democratic terms after that, because otherwise, if the Republicans ever get the reins of power again, they will not let them go. No, they they they, they absolutely won't. And, you know, with the midterms coming up, there's a lot of things that are going to affect the midterms. I keep hearing people saying, oh, the Republicans are going to win the House, and I just don't see it because I don't know what they've done to gain or garner more votes. But since we're at this point, we have a, um, a January 6th Select Committee hearing coming up the 28th. It's been about six weeks since we've seen the last one. And in those six weeks, there's been all kinds of news stories that have kind of drowned out the January 6th committee's efforts. But I think come come Wednesday and on, on, on September 28th, we are going to see them create just a fucking whirlwind of talk because I think a lot of stuff is coming out of this particular hearing. I agree, and I'm sorry they let them lapse, to be honest with you. I think they should have kept them ongoing at least once a week and uh, allowed us to to uh, share as they brought in more information because uh, I think people kind of fell off. Uh, they kind of drifted, and they're looking in other ways. They're looking at uh, um, just Trump right now. Right, right. Uh, uh, when it be looking at a lot of different people and, and, and we hear now that Jenny Thomas is going to show up. Uh, uh, one of the reasons that, uh, Riggleman was yeah. disenchanted with the committee was that they had not never brought her in, that they did not, uh, um, subpoena her. Right. And he, he thought that was a failing. Uh, that, that's what he said anyway. That was one of the reasons that he left you know, working with the committee was he didn't think they were going in the right direction. Be that whether that's true or not doesn't matter. We'll see. We'll see come Wednesday night what they've been able to put together. And uh, uh, the one thing he said that intrigues me is they don't know who was on the end of the, the phone call from the White House, but they mm. know who it was uh, at the insurrection. I'm and, betting you it was Jenny Thomas. And, yeah, and to, and to be perfectly honest with you, um, that one bit of evidence, the call from the White House to the insurrection, is just kind of a sexy tidbit to sell books. Yeah. I think, I think, I think that there's a lot more to this with this hearing coming up. Uh, and yeah. you know, I'll be honest with you, I'll disagree with you here. I think the fact that they took a break and now are kicking up up back. It, late September, early October is probably a good thing because we know how things work in this country. If you had it every week, people would become fucking desensitized to it. You need that. You need that urgency. You need that, that surprise and all this stuff. So the fact that they're doing 
uh, a meeting or a hearing on the 28th tells me there's going to be at least one more in October prior to the midterms. And what it's going to do is, uh, uh, once again, spike the urgency and, and, and cause more, more excitement and interest in what is going on. I think they're timing it out right. And I think they're intentionally doing that so that it has the most effect on the midterms coming up, uh, you know, month away. Well, I, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. No, you can't. I, I, well, <laughs> I'm not married right. to you. <laughs> God, thank, thank heavens. But the, uh, um, I see it as like, and, and you're aware of this because you've told me this, that one of the reasons, like with, with a podcast, the thing that sells it is consistency. It's, it's being there every day. Uh, right. it's, uh, it's, it's content, but it's also the frequency of that you, you, uh, um, put that, uh, content before the public. And I see it with, uh, you know, what the modern, uh, the way the industry has changed. I mean, when I was a kid, you had three networks and you watched what was on, yeah. right? And then you had cable where you had a lot more choice and more cable, more, more cable, more cable, more cable. And now they're streaming, streaming, streaming. So there's so much out there. You got to grab them, you grab them and then you hold them and you, you keep hitting them. You know, you have to be, you have to be consistent. Um, I see programs that are, they're great the first year and then the second year they go to crap and then they're canceled. Right. You know, and, and I, I look at the committee hearings that way. Yeah. They had us and then they stopped. It, it's like, uh, you know, when the pandemic came and people missed a year on some of the productions, getting people back to watch them is not that easy because there's all this new stuff for them to watch. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that everybody comes back because it is kind of an event okay i'll give you that this is kind of an event but to my knowledge it's the only one they've got scheduled before the midterms well you know but but at the same time you know you have the tv shows like curb your enthusiasm sopranos bridgerton these things go away and you really never know when they're coming back but they always seem to garner the attention when they do come back i i I think it's I think the the information that's going to come out in these hearings is going to be so compelling that people are not going to be able to avoid it. I think either they're going to be talking about people who were involved in the planning and the facilitating of the January 6th uh, insurrection. And this is going to, I believe, expose some of those people sitting in Congress right now, the Gosars, the uh, Boberts, the uh, Greens, and, and those people, I think it's going to expose those folks. And uh, um, I think it's going to be kind of bombshell after bombshell. I I, I, I got to believe that the Democrats are smart enough to know that they need to heighten the attention to this sort of thing. So as much as maybe not as many people will watch it as did before. That's a possibility, but it almost doesn't matter because those sound bites that will come out of it will resonate forever. People oh, will I, I hear agree. it even if they don't watch the testimony. Yeah. And maybe Regelman was premature because he wants to sell a book or something, but the graphic he provided alone was to me was very telling right. in showing in a visual way the communication between these various camps of insurrectionists, because there's no denying that uh, 
it, it was basically kind of a parallelogram or a, 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 some sort of lopsided kind of square or uh, rectangle showing these these three or four points. I think it was four points of uh, communication where everybody was talking to everybody. And um, that indicates certainly a, a conspiracy, quite quite frankly, well, exactly. uh, that, that yeah. is undeniable, undeniable. Well, I saw a tweet that 60 Minutes put out, and I thought it was pretty interesting. And and I can kind of see where they get this. Based on what we're hearing from the January 6th committee, from Riggleman, from the 60 Minutes show, it sounds like they're setting us up to show us a roadmap, an actual plan, and who was involved in the plan of how this was set up from the beginning. And again, that goes back to what you said. Now it's a fucking conspiracy. Now it's even a bigger deal than just a bunch of crazy fucks attacking the Capitol. We are going to see how Republicans in Congress and Jenny Thomas and 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 uh, we know that um, Roger Stone's going to kind of show up in this whole scenario, too, on Wednesday. They're going to show us they're going to lay it out for us how the Republicans actually were part and parcel to planning and 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 uh, executing this this insurrection. Well, you know, you uh, I'm glad glad you brought up Roger Stone because he's kind of been out of sight for a while. But he and Mike Flynn have been touring the country with this semi-religious tent show kind of thing uh, that that links the the new apostolic reformation and uh, right wing politics. And, and it's, it's pretty scary shit. But if you look at the, 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 the basics of the January 6th attack on the Capitol, jump back a few years when we've got uh, George W. Bush and Al Gore locked in uh, Georgia in this uh, vote counting thing. And then, Suddenly, they're the where they're counting the votes. This 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 uh, mob storms the the place and smashes the doors and all of this, and and they stop the counting. And okay. then the Supreme Court weighs in and says, you know, stop the counting and so forth and so forth. But that that was the I want to call it the instigating incident that really gave the election to George W. Bush. What is different? Nothing. It's the exact same game plan. And nobody ever accused Roger Stone of being subtle or, or, or going back or honest or, uh, you know, if it worked once, why not try it again? That's that's an excellent point. I mean, like you say, they laid it out in the George Bush Al Gore uh, election and they saw that fucker worked. It actually worked. So yep, why not try it again? Why not do it again? I mean the the Republicans have to game the system. They just can't win they can't win largely across this country because there isn't enough of them. They can't right. win fairly. They just can't and they know that. And I don't know if I've pointed this out before, but uh, when James Baker went down to Georgia to to help George W. Bush secure the win, he took some uh, some young uh, lawyers with him to do the the running and the looking up of the statutes and all of that kind of thing and weigh in and help uh, uh, help uh, work on the case to present to the the Supreme Court. All of those young lawyers, three of them anyway, now sit on the Supreme Court. Right? Isn't that ironic? Mm-hmm. 
It certainly is. I mean, everything everything about what the Republicans do and where we've ended up from, you know, as far back to Nixon as now, it's all very insidious. I mean, it's 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 they're infesting our government with people yes. that are less than ethical, that are criminal, that are doing everything they can to overthrow our government. And and they're doing it slowly but surely. It's kind of like what what who said it? Uh, was it Khrushchev who said he said, we won't have to bomb America. We'll get them from the inside. And that's exactly yep. what the Republicans are fucking doing right now. Yeah, well, there's also an analogy. Uh, you may see one crow. If you see one cockroach, there's probably a million more. Right. Watch exactly. out. Exactly. And we're finding out that in in this Republican Party, they're, I mean, back in the day, in the 60s and 70s, you would run across a congressman or a senator that might have been a Republican, even Democrat at some point that you thought saw was kind of unethical, kind of crazy, kind of stupid. You look at the House of Representatives now, I can name eight guys, 10 guys, Gosar, Green, Boebert, Jordan, you know, um, Mike Lee. Kelly. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. The, the, it, all of them. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a huge infestation. We need, we need fucking raid or, or, or some pest control guy to clear these out. And I'm thinking that's maybe the mindset of the January 6th committee starting on Wednesday, eradicating well, you, the pests. If you look at Republican administrations versus Democrat, <clears throat> go back to Nixon, starting with Nixon. There are always a huge number of people who wind up being indicted, being and going to jail uh, right. in a Republican administration. Certainly, Nixon had his with Watergate. Reagan had his with Iran-Contra. George W. Bush had a bunch of them, and so did Trump. Now, he Trump pardoned most of his, whereas Bush didn't, and I'm not sure why. But uh, uh, in uh, Democratic administrations, almost none. Um, Jimmy Carter had one, and that was right. a guy who kept a rich watch, wristwatch he shouldn't have. And right. uh, Obama had none, not right. one. And uh, Clinton had, I believe, two. And if, if you don't count Clinton himself getting impeached but not right. removed, you know, um, there there were one or two there. But uh, by and large, it's between the Republicans, hundreds, and the Democrats, less than ten. Um, that shows something. It has to indicate something. One party is a group of criminals and the other isn't. That's my take. Now, in spite of that, we are hearing the likes of Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, and now other people. You know, those, those, at least one of those two entered, uh, a bill uh, for perusal that to impeach Joe Biden. And now we're hearing a lot of people saying, well, if we get back to house, we're going to impeach Joe Biden for, for what? And, 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 and even if you do impeach him for some stupid reason, it's just going to hit you in the face because it's going to end up just the same way it did with Donald Trump. It's going to go to the Senate and it's not going to pass because you need 60 people. So it's just about retribution. It's just about yes. projection. It's about, well, you did it to us, so I'm going to do it to you. You would expect well, people being more mature who are running our country. 
Well, this is the thing, though. I mean, and it the other thing it will do, it will allow them to do nothing. It gives yeah. the appearance of doing something when you are literally doing nothing except making noise. But that way you don't have to consider bills. Jim Jordan, how long has he been in Congress? And like 17 never years. Once, yeah, never once offered a piece of legislation of any kind. Zero. He's, He's there to scare the pot. Right. He's been scamming the people of his state for 17 years and done literally nothing. Uh, Bobert has become a millionaire by going around and running her mouth to, to sympathetic groups. And Marjorie Taylor Greene doing exactly the same thing. All of these Bobert and uh, Gomert and uh, all of these people are doing exactly the same thing. The, any legislation they offer, whether it's articles of impeachment, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene's actually done it three times. <laughs> so, uh, right. and everybody continues to ignore her. She has no committee assignments. She has nothing to do other than this kind of crap. But that, that's all they do. But the, this kind of thing, they love it because it allows them to make uh, its, its uh, bread and circuses, if you will, to distract the electorate from that they are actually doing absolutely nothing to help them. Whereas the Democrats, have, especially in, in, the, in Joe's administration, have, has actually been extremely effective. They have passed many bills that, that now Republicans are scrambling to take credit for. Right. We've got uh, out in Texas, Abbott is talking about this great highway project that Biden is paying for. And down in Florida, same thing with uh, with DeSantis, taking credit for the stuff that Biden gave him the money for. So uh, this is this is what's happening. And the people who choose not to see, well, I don't know what to tell you, except that uh, uh, you're cutting your own throat. If you're yeah. voting Republican, you might as well just commit harikiri, as they call it, and kneel on your own sword. Well, if you look at the last uh, 14 years, all through Obama's uh, presidency, the four years through Donald Trump, I've asked this of somebody, what what has the Republicans accomplished for America? What have they accomplished? And they've accomplished nothing. They've been, at best, they are obstructionists to try to stop things from happening. When they had the power to do it, they did nothing. Uh, some people will say, well, they protected the borders. As you pointed out, the border is no fucking different than it was under Donald Trump, under Obama. Nobody's been able to figure out that problem, and nobody's done anything much different than what's being going on now. In fact, Joe may be better at it. But the only thing I can think of that the Republicans have done in 14 years is the tax cut. Now, yep. when the tax cut first came around, all the little Trump fucks said, oh, we're getting a tax cut. Yeah, we're getting a tax cut. But it turns out the $2 trillion that went to the rich was in perpetuity. The crumbs we got was temporary, and that wasn't good enough. The crumbs were temporary, and now every two years, our fucking taxes go up. Now, if you're a Republican sitting there thinking you're happy with that, you're just a dumb motherfucker. Yeah, this is exactly the point. And I screamed about this at the time. Why aren't you people listening? Because the corporate tax cuts and the tax cuts for the rich are permanent. Right. And 
but but the tax cuts for you, you you gave up all of this to get this new tax rate, right? You gave up your your home mortgage deduction. You gave up your uh, medical deduction, whatever. Uh, all of these deductions you let go uh, in order to get this lower tax rate. But it sunsets after six years. It does it gradually. And it won't doesn't doesn't kick in until what uh, 2025 I think is when you'll first notice it. Maybe 2024 is when it when it yeah. happens. But a lot of people aren't going to be paying attention, and they're going to be the first year they're going to be hit with this huge tax bill. The working people because they didn't change their withholding, and they're at the end of the year suddenly instead of getting a thousand dollars back, they're going to owe three thousand, right. and that and that's going to be a, a hard wake up call. And uh, I really believe that if the Democrats can get control, a solid control, so that Ma- that Mansion and Cinema can't um, torpedo it, they can redo that. They can uh, they can change that. I mean, it can be done. Now to do it, they're going to have to take about a three three trillion dollar hit against the deficit because that's the plan. Because they were, they gave that that uh, tax cut to the rich people. That would bring the uh, eventually. That was where the three trillion dollars that Trump added to the deficit came from. Right. And the idea was then you would make it up over six years by taxing you and me exactly. a lot more, and and it would even out. But if we change that, if we if we some way or other don't allow the uh, uh, those uh, tax increases on the the lower classes to go in, then we're going to hit be hit with that massive uh, recessionary three trillion dollar hit to the deficit. So uh, I mean, it, it it was well played on their part. I mean, Trump had nothing to do with it other than signing the bill, of course. Right, right. But but it, it had been you know in the works for some time. It, this was McConnell and the think tanks that put this thing together. Now, I don't know what can be done uh, about it. When they say permanent, is anything permanent? I doubt. No, no. I mean, the fact is the top corporate tax rate should be 100%. Now, Biden has already taken a hit against the corporations by making sure that they all pay some taxes. What is it, 15% or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's minimal. But it's, a, it's something, right? And you can do more along those lines because right now we've got nothing but a wealth transfer upward and people don't realize that all of our money you've got these hedge funds now that are uh, you know they pay no taxes really and what they're doing is they're they're uh, buying up uh, trailer parks apartment buildings and now single family homes and they're making them unaffordable I wonder why would you do that other than, of course, to make money on it. But think about it. Who doesn't get to vote? The homeless. They don't get to vote. So you're reducing the number of people who can actually vote by giving them no address. You're kicking them out of their apartments, their trailer parks, for God's sake. And and now putting single family dwellings far out of their reach. So um, this is all coordinated. That uh, that graph I was talking about. You can do it with anything. Right. There are these these lines of communication in the Republican world that all lead back to think tanks and various individuals and groups. And uh, all you have to do is track them and you see it. 
They are aiming to turn back the clock to 1890 when the average guy worked where they, he was told as long as he was told and for whatever amount they wanted to pay him, if anything. And that is the goal. That is the goal. Turn it back to there or even further. If you're an originalist, like most of the Supreme Court is right now, turn it back to when rich white men were the only ones who could vote. Right. Exactly. You have to understand the Republican Party is nothing more than a grift. But what you have to understand is where are they getting this money they are grifting? They're getting it from you and I without our permission. Well, with our permission, because we're allowing them to do it. But the money has to come from somewhere. We give $2 trillion to the rich, so they give us little crumbs, kind of a little little carrot to say, yeah, 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 that's good. And then they got to pay back that $2 trillion, so they take it out of us. So not only is the government giving them free money, they're making us pay the fucking bill. And it's fucking exactly. ridiculous. It's absolutely. Exactly. And you can sit and watch TV and look at those commercials for stuff you will never be able to afford and realize that you're paying for it for someone else. Right, exactly. Well, we're getting toward the end here, but I wanted to bring something up that you brought up uh, um, before we went on here. And uh, apparently you had a fancy, really nice little soiree down in your part of the country. <laughs> yeah, we had big clan meeting here at oh, Haswell, Tennessee. Oh, great. Over the weekend, uh, and uh, uh, the uh, city council basically said it's on private property, so there's nothing we can do about it. And then they all went. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, of uh, course. You know, there are certain sections down here where the Klan is rampant and always has been. I mean, it, it was born here in Tennessee, for one thing. Was it? Uh, New- Oh, yeah. Newport, Tennessee. A friend of mine back in uh, the guy who bought my house in Minnesota when we left Minnesota and moved here. Um, he travels around for a company that uh, does some sort of printing thing. And he has to go in and help them with problems with these machines that they buy from his company. So uh, he was down in Newport, Tennessee, which is stone's throw from where I live. And uh, a, a guy he, he was working with said, hey, I want to introduce you to somebody. So he took him over to this line where they were working and said, I want to in- introduce you to the Grand Dragon of the Tennessee Ku Klux Klan. You know, wow. and he was taken a little bit of back. <laughs> but there it was. Here's this guy who's, you know, he's working. He's a working stiff. But on the weekends, he's got his robes and he's riding around, uh, apparently doing burning crosses and other clan stuff. You know, I but think they, a lot. Had a, a, I think a, a lot nice of people get together. I think a lot of people think that's the old days that that doesn't happen anymore. But clearly it does. It does. Very much does. And uh, that's why I try to keep a little bit of a low profile here. Uh, there's not a huge uh, clan presence where right here where I live that I know of. But uh, uh, there is definitely uh, I don't want it to be known quite so much that I'm quite so radical as I am. Yeah, that's why I, while I live here in Minnesota and we have our fair share of Trump I don't give a fuck. They they they. I'm waiting for one to walk up on the street in front of me and say something because uh, they aren't going to do well. They aren't going to do well. And if they want to get uh, get to be tough guys, well, I'm not as tough as I once was. 
but I do have a son who's six three and about two sixty and has a bad <laughs> attitude. So you want to wait into that fucking fine. And and not to mention my wife. My wife scares me more than any fucking buddy. I wouldn't tangle with her for anything. Well, I, I, when I walk my dog, I carry my Irish fighting stick with me, and uh, uh, that 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 that's a small comfort, but it's something. That's a sad state of affairs, and I don't know if you've been listening, uh, but apparently the violence in Minneapolis proper is just getting yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah, and I don't know what to say about that uh, other than uh, where are the police? Well, see, see that, but but I think that's the problem. You know, the police have gone through a lot of shit with George Floyd and some of the other shit going on, and so to a certain mm-hmm. extent, they've been they've been um, kind of pulled back. But I, I I wouldn't be surprised if the police says, you know, fuck it, you want unrest in this country? We're not, or in this state, we're not going to fucking do anything. We're not going to work as hard. We're afraid that we're going to go to jail if we're too rough with these people. So we're just going to lay back and let it fucking happen. I, well, that's I what would I be, assumed. Yeah, I assume that. And it's a sad state of affairs. We need that fixed. And our mayor in Minneapolis, I don't live in Minneapolis. So I don't have any horse in the, in, in the race. And, you know, at this point, I, I used to work downtown Minneapolis. I wouldn't go, and I'd be there every day. I was younger, and, you know, it was a much different place. I wouldn't go down there now to have dinner or go to a show anymore at night. I mean, my my uh, niece and my grandnephew went to some kid's concert at the Orpheum. Just yeah. like like in the last couple of months, went to the Orpheum. They're standing out in line, and across the street, there was a fucking shooting. I'm not bringing yeah. kids down there if that kind of shit is happening. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, when I lived in Minneapolis, I lived a few streets from where you grew up. And right, uh, right. I, I still, uh, when we moved, I stayed, you know, there's a neighborhood online organization, and I, I'm still a member of it. So every day I get these things from that particular area. And it's carjackings, uh, porch pirates, uh, um, catalytic converters. It's assaults. It's it's garage break-ins, house break-ins. And every day, dozens of them. Well, and that's not the place I lived. No, uh, you know, even if you go there today, you know, like I say, I grew up there and you live there. It's not a bad area. It's actually a pretty nice area. I mean, if yeah. you go a few blocks toward the river, you've got some very expensive houses uh, oh, yeah. and, and you've got high taxes and stuff. It's not a bad area. It's just creeping into everything. Well, it's it's people from outside that area who are doing it, of course, because they see these people as uh, would have been me as, as easy victims. I used to walk my dog at nine o'clock at night. Yeah, I would yeah. not be doing that now, no. um, you know, or if I was. I, I hate to say it, I'd be packing heat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I, I, I know what you mean. I, I, I live out in the suburbs now and I'll just stay out here and I raise my kids in the suburbs because I know how Minneapolis can get with teenagers. I got a little crazy, yeah. didn't want my kids doing that shit. Anyway, we're going to wrap things up here, Ed. We've gone a little longer than we normally do actually not longer than we normally do we always go long so 
yeah. it doesn't doesn't really matter. When we're done, we're done. That's the one thing I like about being retired. I go to bed when I go to bed, whatever time it is, and I'm up late usually doing a podcast or whatever, but uh I wake up when I want to. I don't use a fucking alarm. When my eyes open, then I'm up. It doesn't matter if it's yeah. six o'clock or ten o'clock. I don't give a fuck. I'm getting up and it's a nice thing to have going for you. After all those years, you and I getting up early at four in the morning or three in the morning. At four to do o'clock, a, three o'clock, three thirty. To do a job that we didn't get paid enough for. Yeah. Uh it's nice just to wake up when I wake up. Anyhow, thanks one, for coming by. One word of caution before we go. Sure. One word of caution. COVID's still around. I mean, <clears throat> Joe said the pandemic's over, and that's right. But COVID is still here. It's still a problem. I know 10 people right now that have COVID. Wow. <clears throat> fortunately, fortunately, they are vaxxed and boosted, most of them. Right. And I think they'll do fine. But it's still there. Take precautions. <clears throat> and there's a new booster out. You and I are both caught. Yes, I don't have COVID. Yeah, I you don't it. have COVID. Yeah. No, but uh, I got the booster, so I'm good. Well, the first booster, there's a new one out now. No, I got that one. You got the second booster. Yep, I got it last Monday. Yeah, I'm going to go get that shit, too. Uh, The colds, you know, that's the thing is you get sick like you and I are right now, and people say, oh, it's COVID, it's COVID. Well, no, maybe it could be just a cold. I know that I was carrying around, hugging and kissing, a two-and-a-half-year-old Petri dish full of bacteria from daycare. <laughs> but it was worth the risk being able to hang around with my granddaughter. Yeah, well, mine's allergies, so uh, and and just talking too long. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I checked. I don't have COVID. I took the test. Well, that's good to know. All right. Well, the folks at home, thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you have a great day, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.